0: Please turn also to the New Testament. We are at Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. This is our text for this morning, Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. This also is God's holy word. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. May we go to our God and ask for his blessings on the reading and also the preaching of his holy word. <clears throat> Our sovereign God, we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Father, that your word is truth, that your word is powerful. Father, that we might receive your word by faith, that we would believe its promises, that we would tremble at its warnings. Father, that we would obey your commandments. Father, we acknowledge that we must not be looking for the approval of the word, of the world, regarding your word, and your Son. Father, we pray that we would obey the Holy Spirit who has granted us true conviction in what is right in your Son, for he indeed is righteousness and truth. Father, we pray that we would hold fast to your promises, that we would not fear nor doubt, but instead that we would believe and trust and that we would obey. Father, we thank you for the encouragements that you give us each day. We thank you, Father, That by your Holy Spirit, uh, he is renewing us day by day. Father, we pray for the spiritual growth of your people. That we would submit our lives to Jesus Christ. That we would acknowledge less of what we see by our eyes of flesh. But instead that we would believe what you have allowed us to see by the eye of faith. Help us to trust in you all the more. We pray, Father. That even this day, that the good news of the gospel might be proclaimed, and that by your Holy Spirit's power, that it would transform our lives, we thank you for your provision for us. We pray, Father, that our Lord Jesus would be exalted, that your servant would be humbled. We thank you in Christ's name, Amen. We <clears throat> think through uh, the history of elections, whether in our country. Or other countries, I I hear about in other countries, how uh, uh, for these totalitarian regimes, these these elections are are but a farce. Here in our country, think through elections. And that voters, supposedly, they want to vote for the winning candidate more than anything else. In fact, they're probably more concerned about voting for the winner than they are about voting for the more qualified or the better candidate. They want to vote for the winner. Have you ever wondered, does this principle affect you regarding the Christian life? How often do you judge by the eyes of flesh, and we judge of the ways of the world and say that influence uh, we're lacking, or we can see even that influence is diminishing. I learned some time ago when we were going to Bible camp in July that uh, the hotel. Uh, the airlines, uh, the entertainment. We were competing with Taylor Swift that supposedly uh, during that period travel to and in and out of Cincinnati uh, was making a giant blip in the world because of this one gal who could sing. And here we think about how, well, Jesus Christ, his influence, and And the effect uh, seems to be less. But judging by the eye of faith, we can see that our Lord Jesus indeed is producing a people who are his very own, who are eager to do good deeds. Here, when we think through our Lord Jesus, he's given us his word. And Revelation is the last book of the Bible, it contains a lot of imagery and symbolism. Flowery and ornate descriptions and language. Oftentimes, we see the mention of numbers. Numbers are mentioned. That the, the number seven is symbolic of uh, completeness. And here, I confess to you my own ignorance, my own weakness, that I often shied away from from ever thinking of preaching from Revelation because of my own inability to interpret the matters in this book. But here, hearing from my mentor, he had said, if you have a thousand preachers, you will get a thousand different views. And if there were 5,000 preachers, you will get 5,000 different views. Here, we ought to understand that we don't need to understand all of the details of God's revelation for it to be a blessing and for it to be profitable for us. Here, I falsely assumed that I could fully explain and fully understand the book of Ephesians, which I cannot, which I have not. And even for myself, if I preached again in in 10 years or in 20 years, my understanding would be different. Here, we think through the book of Revelation. One of the important things is that we don't get lost in the details. There's not spiritual significance to every single detail mentioned. Now, some of you, I ask, well, why are those there? Well, they're there. You think about the parables. There's details in the parables, too. But those details don't all have some spiritual significance. That's called allegorizing. We're not to do that. And here, we think about the book of Revelation. We think, focus on the main topic. Focus on the big picture. That's what's important. And here, in the book of Revelation... We have some idea of of what the Lord is doing. See the Gospels. It reveals Jesus Christ and his teaching and his ministry. What he taught. the, the, The accounts of what he said. What he was teaching to the masses. To his disciples. And regarding his ministry. His love for others. In Acts we have Christ proclaimed. That the followers. The immediate followers of Christ. His apostles. That they went on proclaiming Jesus Christ. The epistles, the letters written by Paul and others. This is Christ explained, explains his person, explains his teaching. Then in Revelation, we have Christ's victory and his return foretold. Acknowledge that his victory, he, he's already victorious, but his victory and his return are foretold. And here we think about the two halves of Revelation. The first half, verses 1 through 11 speaks about the conflict between believers and unbelievers. And then the latter half, chapters 12 to 22, we have the underlying spiritual battle. And Revelation is a reminder to us that not everything is as we see. That if we judge by the eye of flesh, then we won't see the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ that is already there. Instead, if we judge by the eye of faith, we acknowledge that Jesus is indeed already victorious, that his letter, this book of Revelation, is a reminder of his great victory. So the truth that we see in this in this passage, in Revelation, God encourages and comforts the church with the hope of Christ's victory over Satan and his minions. In Revelation, God encourages and comforts the church with the hope of Christ's victory over Satan and his minions. We'll Look at this in three points. The first Revelation from God in verse 1. Second, witness of God's word and son in verse 2. And third, God's purpose of blessing in verse 3. <clears throat> so the first point, revelation from God from verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. Here, it's a reminder to us that the book of Revelation, capital R is revelation, small r. So revelation, uh, translated as revelation, is from the Greek word apocalypsis. And it means a revealing or an uncovering. It's like a curtain being pulled back. That uh, I'm reminded about how revelation comes in two types. There's there's special revelation and there's general revelation. And here I was talking to a friend. uh, A friend who uh is a professor and he one of his specialties was the book of revelation and uh he asked me once would you ever preach on it and i said no i would never preach on that and at some point he didn't bring it up but i thought he just might ask frank do you actually believe that the book of revelation is in the new testament canon And to which I would have had to answer, of course it is. But then the question is, why would you not preach on it? So here, revelation comes in two types. We're reminded, I'm reminded, that revelation is part of the New Testament canon. There's special and there's general revelation. Special revelation is God speaking through dreams and prophets, writing and direct dialogue. You Think back to Moses, that God spoke to Moses even as a man speaks with his friend. There was direct dialogue that King David had direct dialogue with God. There's also general revelation. God reveals through nature. We see that clearly in Psalm 19 verses 1 and 2. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. We also have Romans 1 verse 20 speaking about this general revelation. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. This is uh, the mention of general revelation. God reveals himself and his characteristics in nature. Here, we're reminded that this is revelation from God. God reveals himself to man think back to the garden before the fall that man unfallen man so man in the state of innocence before he fell in the garden he was given the rule not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so this is Adam and Eve before the fall they needed special revelation so so then the need for special revelation is is not suddenly there because man fell before adam and eve fell they were not tainted by sin they were not corrupted by sin but yet they still needed special revelation and if special revelation from god was needed by men without sin then how much more so do we need special revelation now do we need do we need to know it do we need to submit to it do we need to obey it special revelation is god communicating to man And how necessary it is for you and for me to listen to what God has revealed to us. Here in verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him. So this is a reminder that Jesus Christ is God. That God spoke through his Son. We see that in Hebrews 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The God spoke through his son. This is this is the the, toward the end. He sent his son that he sent all the prophets that most of them were killed by his people. Israel, he sent his son. Well, his people killed him, too. Here. It says in verse one. To show to his servants the things that must soon take place. So this it's a revelation to Christ's servants, meaning it's a revelation to you and to me. And it's about the things that will soon take place. Here, we ask about soon timing. You think about mention in verses one. And verse three, that uh, that the things that must soon take place. In verse three, for the time is near. But then you look at the very end of Revelation, Revelation 22, and it speaks about how Jesus is coming quickly. So you think about the timeline. Well, it's been it's been two thousand years or almost two thousand years, and he hasn't returned. But the bottom line is uh, God's view of time is different than ours. But certainly verses 1 and verse 3, that there were certain things that were going to happen uh, at that time that this book was written. Certain immediate events that were going to come. Here, we continue. We think about how, what will soon take place. Children, this is like you receive a letter in the mail. And on it, there's a stamp that says, Time Sensitive. Now, I acknowledge that uh, oftentimes junk mail senders will put that time-sensitive stamp on it to make sure you open it, right? But that doesn't mean that that there's not things that are genuinely time-sensitive. And for us, this is time-sensitive because the time is near. We also see the the means. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. Here, Uh, angel, you think through the... The term angel, angel actually means messenger. So through so the means of this angel. And it's to a servant, John. John, there are many Johns mentioned in the Bible. John was a popular name then. It's a popular name now. And this is John the Apostle. This is John, uh, this, the, the, one of the sons of Zebedee. So his brother is James, right? These were the fishermen. This is part of the, the inner three uh, of Christ's circle. And we see also that it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. At the heart, revelation is a message of God's Son. And so I ask you, are you trusting Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of glory? You realize the whole timeline of history, even of secular history, revolves around him. Maybe it happened some time ago, some decades ago, but the change from uh, B.C. and A.D., Right, before Christ, the time of our Lord, to uh, the, before the common era and after the common era, uh, the, the orientation has changed, but the timeline hasn't changed. You realize that they could take his name out of it, right? but it's still, the timeline is based on him. They didn't say, hey, we're going to shift everything by, by 1,023 years. They didn't. The orientation is still around Jesus Christ. They could even take the name out. It's still there. Here. We ask yourself. Are you trusting in this Lord Jesus? Who was and who is and who is to come? This book is supposed to be an encouragement and a comfort for Christians. How often is it that you're required to count the cost? To count the cost... I'll tell you what happens. People go through difficulty. Those who have professed faith in Christ, those who, who tell others that they're Christians. I, I know people, uh, people I went to school with, people I, I studied in seminary with. Uh, they talked about how uh, certain men witnessed to them. Uh, whether they were ministers or just friends, they minister to them and say, hey, this friend shared the gospel with me. No one in my family was a Christian. And, and then you look after the fact years later, he said, this man is no longer walking with the Lord. But still, God used someone to bring this message to them. Here, we think about how there are Christians who no longer walk with the Lord. So these are professing Christians who no longer walk with the Lord. And I'll tell you what's happened. They counted the cost and they said, the cost isn't worth it. I'm not going to go forward with it anymore. This is this is what happens in any situation when when someone decides to part ways, right? Pe- friends part ways, uh, disciples part ways. Is Christ worth it to you? And part of the purpose of this book of Revelation, it's a reminder to all of you who are trusting Christ that our Lord Jesus indeed is worth it. He is victorious. There were difficult things happening then, so there's different theories, did the Apostle John write this book in the 60s, right, mid-60s or did he write it in the late 90s AD well, whatever's the case uh, there were evil emperors of Rome during that time, right, so here these were, these were wicked men who said, oh, you Christians you claim to be the light of the world, I'll show you light of the world, so they, he, he chained them up put some kind of highly flammable material on them and lit, lit them on fire. To to hey, you see, we have modern day street lamps, right? Well, he used Christians as street lamps, right? That's what he did. And you think, well, hey, we have it hard. People laugh at us. He may they might even hurt our feelings. Well, there was a different suffering. There was a there was a different seriousness back then, and there was a counting of the cost then, and there is a counting of the cost now. Here, we think about the Apostle Paul, and what he spoke regarding the importance, the gain and the loss. Philippians 3, 7-9. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Here, you count the cost. And you say, I have no righteousness. You have no righteousness. What is it that you gain in Christ? You, you gain true righteousness. You gain the forgiveness of sins. You gain eternal life. And you must ask yourself, can you get that from anyone or anything else? And the answer is, no, you cannot. The world promises you happiness. It can't even deliver that. It certainly cannot give you eternal life. Here, we think about all the contexts going on. Revelation was meant to be an encouragement and a comfort to God's people who were in the midst of much upheaval, persecution, opposition, and loss. Here, we think about the psalm that we read earlier, Psalm 3. O Lord, how many, oh, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Revelation addresses this very matter. There's an acknowledgement that there are many enemies. And there are powerful enemies. That there are those who, uh, who think they have absolute power. But we 're reminded that our Lord Jesus is the one who is on the throne psalm three six I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. If you have ten thousand enemies, I might say you have a lot of people who oppose you right <laughs> so for for the eastern people right the, I don't know. If you look at us, we, we understand numbers in terms of fal- using, units of a thousand. Right? So you have a thousand. You have the comma put at the thousand mark. A million is actually a thousand thousand. But when you look at uh, other, other people, like for example the Chinese, the unit is not a thousand. The unit is actually ten thousand. They count in terms of ten thousands. So this ten thousand is a nice, round, big, complete number. 10,000 people have set themselves round about me. But what does it matter? What does it matter how many are arrayed against you? All that matters is the Lord Jesus is for you. Isn't that the entire point of Romans 8? Who is he who condemns? It is Christ Jesus who justifies. The Apostle Paul doesn't even bother to answer the question. It's It's immaterial doesn't matter how many. doesn't matter who they are. You count the cost and you say that the greatest gain is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. And whatever you gain in the world, those things will be lost eternally. They come to an end in this life. They're going to be forgotten. You can't fit into those clothes anyway. Here, we think about how God's revelation ought to be important to us. We ought to see the importance of it, even in this book of Revelation. The second point, the witness of God's word and son, verse 2. Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here, it's not only God's word. We think about Jesus Christ... Jesus is the Word incarnate. And if you think through the theme verse for the Bible Presbyterian Church, it's actually this verse it's for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. These apostles were eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ, meaning that they were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. The Apostle Paul explains this, was it in 1 Corinthians. Did I not see the risen Lord Jesus? Here, you think about the Apostles. They were eyewitnesses of what he taught and his resurrection. And that John, he witnessed about that. He also witnessed about what he received regarding this book of Revelation. It's a duty, it's a reminder to us that there is a duty ...that we speak of what we have seen and heard... ...namely, Jesus Christ. When we testify... ...or we bear witness... uh, ...it is a calling to an account. Right? Hey, what is it you believe? Or, what is the hope that you have? Let me tell you about my hope. The hope is Jesus Christ. My wife often tells me... ...you need to have... ...the 30-second elevator summary... ...of whatever it is. The church, your faith in Christ... That's a good advice. You need to have a 30 second summary, meaning that you can't hold someone's attention for five minutes, right? You run into them. (laughs) Another friend was telling me, hey, how do you manage to preach for 40 or 50 minutes? (laughs) Right? And he talked about this guy, Mr. Beast. I never knew about Mr. Beast. his a YouTube sensation. He has... Hundreds of millions of people watching I me mean, told me about how Mr. Beast, he changes his camera angle every eight seconds because people are that fickle, right? Their attention is, is that short. But here, you think about how the word of God and the means of preaching, Romans 10, that God's not going to change that. There, there's all kinds of things that change. There's all kinds of technology that changes. But is the means still the word of God, and the testimony of his people? Here. Even to all that he saw. Even to all that he saw. Here, John was given very great detail in Revelation, but we're reminded that not all of those details have spiritual meaning. However, many numbers, whatever images, we don't need to derive some kind of spiritual meaning out of all of those things. We need to think the big picture. I'll give you an example. You think about the parable of the Good Samaritan. So this man was beaten and the Good Samaritan came by. He washed his wounds with wine. Some people say, oh, you see, that's symbolic, right? It's him being washed with wine. The wine in the Lord's Supper is symbolic of Christ's blood. It's being washed with Christ's blood. And then afterwards, so he gave the innkeeper two denarii, two coins. Hey, those are the two Testaments, the Old and New Testaments, or hey, the two coins, they represent the Word and the Sacraments. Well, who, who, interprets, who interprets the parable of the Good Samaritan like that? I'll give you a hint. You shouldn't. This is called allegorizing. No, and you ask, well, what if none of those details were there? Well, the parable wouldn't be complete. But then, do, they, do those details have to have some spiritual significance? The answer is no. And so also in the book of Revelation, are all those images, all those details supposed to be there? Yes, they are. This is what John was witnessing to. But do they all have some spiritual significance? The answer is no. Think the big picture. Think the big picture. Here we think also of your own witness to God's word and his son. You realize, if you are a Christian then it must mean that Jesus Christ is by far the greatest person you've ever known. The most life-changing. He cannot be in your life and somehow be second. You know what? Uh, it's my, my mom or my dad that, that is the greatest. No. He, if Jesus Christ is in your life and you're a Christian, then he must be the most influential person in your life by far. And as far as your testimony You think about that 30 second or that 30 minute or that 30 hour testimony. Here you think about how there were times that the Apostle Paul witnessed to people and uh, he was chained to them. These were Roman soldiers who were chained to him. And just imagine how joyful or uh, how painful it was to be that Roman soldier who was chained to that prisoner Paul who couldn't stop talking and praying. About this Lord Jesus. And so also for you and for me. We think about the witness that we share. The witness of God's word. This is why oftentimes. People like to. Like to preemptively stop you. Because they know that you're a Christian. So they want to cut you off. From even getting to that statement. But that's okay. This is part of the fear. But this is the reminder to us. That we still have a duty to speak. So this is the second point, witness of God's word and son. We have the third point, God's purpose of blessing in verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. Here, we're reminded that in this verse, God's design for the book of Revelation is that it would be a blessing to his people. Some time ago, I mentioned, even in my old age, that I start to forget what I read in the Bible. And you can read through the Bible however many times you read through it, whether it's uh, you read through it twice in a year or once in a year or once in two years or once in ten years, whatever it is. right? You read through the Bible, and that, that means you've, you've read every verse, every word of the Bible. And has it ever happened to you that you read some passage and you say, hey, I don't ever remember reading that in the Bible. Or maybe some friend of yours flips open some random passage and reads it to you. And he and you asks, hey, is, is this, well, what is this I'm reading? And you might say, I don't know what that is. It's actually the Bible, right? But here, this is one of those passages, right? This is, this is an example. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. Here. forgot that the the book of Revelation had this. Here I think about how initially I was going to preach about the message to the seven churches of Asia and tie that to the whole idea of revival and the warnings to the churches. You think about there's only so many varieties of, of, uh, of difficulties that a church can have. And here we think through about how I'm kind of providing the background. Am am I just going to stop there? I I might, or may I keep going in Revelation? I don't know. But the bottom line is here, as I read this beginnings, Revelation chapter 1, I'm seeing that this book comes with this promise. And children, you think through this, how many books of the Bible actually contain such a great promise? That God is saying, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. Meaning that this, this promise seems to be rather unique in God's work. And obviously the, the promise applies to all of scripture. Because it's all God breathed. But it's specific to this book. Here, people often translate this term blessed as happy. But it's insufficient. It's insufficient to cover it. To be blessed of God is far, far greater than just to be happy. It's to be fulfilled. It's to be fully satisfied. It's to be nourished. It's to be lacking in no good thing. It's to be complete. It's to be encouraged. It's to be comforted. It's all those things, and and more so. And for these Christians who had received uh, revelation in this book, that they were going through persecution and affliction, It was all predicted by Christ. It was witnessed in Acts. And it it was seen throughout church history. Yet Revelation is a blessed and necessary reminder that your affliction, your suffering is not in vain. That Jesus indeed is victorious. That despite what we see, that the Lord said. The seed of the woman will crush the head of the seed of the serpent. And that indeed is what has happened. Here, we think about those who are blessed. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Throughout history, literacy may not necessarily necessarily have been a a widespread thing. And we can see even in our society, literacy has actually gone down, not not up, Uh, I say that and you think I'm joking. I, I, I'm not joking at all, right? Literacy has, has not gone up, right? We think it's gone up. But here, we, we ought to understand that for many in the past, the public reading of Scripture, for those who were not literate, that they heard it, they understood it, but they couldn't read it themselves. This was God's design. This is why, another reason why there were catechisms. It was helpful for people to learn and to understand it's even helpful for those who are literate to have a catechism. Here, we think also about how often uh, do we hear such a promise of God mentioned in Scripture that blessed are those who read. It's applicable to all of Scripture, of course, not just the revelation. It's blessed are those who hear also. So it's blessed are those who read, the blessed are all who hear. What's implied is that someone is reading it. It's also implied that someone is listening. Someone is hearing it. That God's word must be received. And implied in hearing is believing. Romans 2.13 For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Romans 2.13 So it's not hearing. It's not merely possessing the law, as the Apostle Paul said to these Jews. It's not you who possess the law who are righteous. It's actually you who who do the law, who who obey the law, who, who believe it. And who keep what is written in it. So those who read it, those who hear it, and those who keep it, or those who heed it. Here, this whole understanding of prophecy goes back to a broader definition of what prophecy is. We generally think of prophecy as someone foretelling the future. right? So they, prophecy is a prophetic message. You think about someone, he foretells the future of what will come. But you realize that prophecy is actually a lot bigger, a lot broader than that. Rather, prophecy is defined as the teaching or the proclamation of God's word. So it's not always predicting the future. It's a proclamation of God's word. We see that even in our shorter catechism, question and answer 24, uh, that Christ executes the office of a prophet in revealing to us by his word and spirit the word of God for our salvation. So here we don't have something mentioned about predicting the future, but rather it speaks about God's word, someone who's proclaiming the message of God. A God-given message. We ought to understand that heeding or keeping the message has to do with, are you believing that Jesus will return? So the prediction part would have to be that Jesus left, he ascended to heaven, but someday he will return. And are you going to be ready for it? Consider what happened in Revelation 6, verses 15 and following. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave or free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Here, when you think about a lamb, the imagery of a lamb, most people think of a lamb as gentle. Okay? So people generally aren't scared of the wrath of a lamb. But here, the imagery is that the lamb is Jesus and that uh, there is wrath. And that even these rulers, these kings of the earth, they were afraid. Here, we ought to understand that uh, the obeying, the doing of the law, is merely the outward evidence for us. That we are believing God's word. Belief is manifested in how you live. In what you do. So is the Bible here in these verses teaching that a man is justified by by obedience? Absolutely not. It's saying that those who truly believe it will obey. They will heed these warnings. They will believe these promises. They will trust that Jesus indeed is victorious. That... Our Lord Jesus is the one who receives glory, honor, and praise. You think about the imagery, how also the mention of of all these groups, these nations, and tongues, and tribes, and peoples. That among all of them, that there are those who call upon Jesus and worship the Lamb. Here, we think also... Going back to Psalm 3, verse 8. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. God's blessing be upon his people. Are you confident in God's ability to bless you? And do you trust that God's ability to bless you is far greater than Satan or the world or sinful man's ability to curse you? you're believing in the lord jesus we must believe that that god is indeed greater and that he is able to bless and when he blesses no one can curse or when they do it doesn't matter and if he curses it doesn't matter who's blessing you so also we ought to trust the lord that his word is final and that his commendation his blessing is what you and i should seek and that it should be sufficient for you and for me Here, I ask you people of God, where, or rather, in whom is your hope? Is your hope in the victorious Lord Jesus, the Lord of glory, the one who died on behalf of sinners? Do you trust in his resurrection? Do you trust that that is proof to all the world that this man had no sin and that he was raised to life so that you and I might be justified. Here, this word is to us a helpful and a necessary and a timely reminder that despite what the world shouts, despite what the news reports, and what your eyes of flesh see, God's word proclaims and reminds you that our Lord Jesus indeed is victorious. Christ defeated Satan on the cross withhold that he triumphed over the world leaders. It's a reminder to us about the importance of reading God's word, knowing his word, believing his promises, trembling at his threatenings, and obeying his commandments. That's how faith is manifested. We believe his promises. He he will do what he said. That he warns us That we would heed those promises, that's faith manifested, and that we would obey his commandments. Here, it's a reminder to us that we should be reading God's word individually. We should meditate on it, we should memorize it, we should study it. And as families, that you would read aloud the little children, even, that they might come to hear and understand. Well, some of you might say, well, what about the children who uh, are so young they can't even read? Uh, well, it's a good time to start. It's a good time to start. It's not too early to start. It's surprising how, how early, how quickly people can understand before they can read. And we ought to trust that all of those questions we leave up to the Lord. That he is the one who does the mighty work. He is the one who grants understanding to sinners here it's also a warning that we should heed god's word that we should listen to it often and that we should trust that he who reads it he who hears it he who heeds it and keeps it that he is the one who is blessed of god let we go to our god together in prayer our lord god we thank you father for your faithfulness and your mercy to us father we thank you that though we are weak and we are ignorant to understand the entirety of your word father we thank you that by your spirit you bless us by it father help us uh, to trust in you that you are the one who was our true teacher that your holy spirit is the one who teaches us of all the things that Christ christ taught his disciples father we thank you for your provision we thank you father for condescending Thank you, Father, for knowing our own weakness, even as we go through the difficulties of life. And Father, may your word be an encouragement and blessing to your people, even this day. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Please turn in your hymnals to 421. We'll stand and sing together, Christ Shall Have Dominion. 421. Please stand.